Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And this is episode 137 of Two Teachers Talking. Charles and I get together and talk about teaching, uh, teaching English in Japan, and uh, all the problems we're having, the things yeah. that we're learning, um, mistakes that we're making, and uh, try to put that all together in some way that hopefully is useful for other teachers in our similar situation. So... Um, the semester is, depending on where you're teaching, is week four, five, six, um, but uh, pretty much underway. Golden weeks in the mirrors. Um, and I uh, thought maybe today we'll just talk about uh, a bunch of little things. Um, uh, kind of take a look at the semester so far, what's what's been happening, what hasn't been happening, some of the chaos that's involved there. Um, maybe some things that... Uh, I guess Charles has learned. <laughs> what, what, I'm not what, teaching what, anything. What, what? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have a flat thing. learning curve. I haven't learned anything. <laughs> I've been teaching for thirty. What? 30, and maybe talk a little bit years. about you know me with my situation. You yeah, know, let's talk so. about what you've learned this year since you've been retired. <laughs> we'll get it's to like, that. Oh, it's we'll nice. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please don't set me up that way. <laughs> like, what have I learned? <laughs> I was thinking while you were describing it, you know, you said about, you know, our podcast is, you know, problems we're having, things we've learned, and then mistakes we've made. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting sine wave, isn't it? <laughs> Just <laughs> down and up and down. And okay, well, I'll let you kind of run with it, Tony. You know, maybe you have some questions since you're not in the classroom anymore. And we're going to talk about that at the end. And I still am. So. We have so, that interesting. Kind of so situation. why am I running with it? No, that's okay. We'll, we'll, well do you're it asking that way. the questions to me <laughs> because All you're right. retired and you have the time to think about what to talk about on this podcast. How's yeah, that? Yeah, I got, I got, I got all that time. Oh, you have a lot, lot of time. time. Nothing to do. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll wait again till the end to find out what you're doing with your time. That's yeah. a suspenseful, interesting part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, nothing like pressure. Yeah, but yeah, good. so it's a, it's so it's a, the uh, kind of approaching the middle of the semester, kind of. That's a kind of um, a middle. It's more like one third, and it's been it's been kind of crazy. As we predicted, it was pretty crazy. Um, you know, at the very before the semester began, we were taking a look at it. And we looked at the school plans, and we said, uh, "Well, that ain't going to work." Um, and uh, we were correct; it didn't work. Um, everything is different. Um, I think most people kind of had orders from schools that, okay, this is, you're going to be in the classroom face-to-face -face somehow. Well, that didn't last very long. Um, and so most teachers that I know are uh, doing things remotely in one way or another, um, as they were last year, mostly, not, not, not exclusively. But um, so the two, if you compare what you're doing last spring and what you're doing now, um, what's different? I imagine there's a lot of facets to that question, though. So, but what do you notice? What's what's the, what's the big impact for you as a teacher? Oh, it's such a broad question, uh. it's, and it's so hard, you know, when you're in the middle of things to really identify exactly what's different or what's similar. Well, what's okay? What's different is that this year is more confusing than last year, isn't it? So, yeah, I would imagine. And, Seems like it. And a lot of that has to do with the impression or the idea, I don't know how one would say it, that most people we know pretty much predicted that they would be back online if they were at face-to-face -face schools by the end of April, which I think we predicted. Yes. And yes. is definitely the case for most schools. The that was different. Instead of there just being this upended, uncertain, we're not sure what we're going to be doing, there was a decision, okay, that you will be face-to-face. -face. Even though everyone I knew watching the numbers, you know, go up, go up, go up, felt that they would be back in the classroom. So that's the one difference, I think, was just the 
enough background information, enough experience to say, hey, you know, I saw what happened last year and what the schools are planning is just not going to go as what she said. So I think that's one difference. The other difference is that students know how to use computers. Yes. Even if you're you're teaching first-year students now, these students have also, in, in their last year of high school, have had a lot of experience with online teaching. Okay. Yeah. So, whereas last year, everyone was facing, for the most part, kids who were not that tech savvy. Um, that that may also be the case this year. But at least they've had a year a year of experience of this kind of thing. If you say Zoom, most kids are going to know exactly what you're talking about. Right. That's very true. I think at this time last year, students had just bought their computers. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. So this was interesting. I walked into my main school. I have to teach three classes on Monday on independent learning. And every student has a computer. And it's either a real computer, as in like a, a, a Mac, <laughs> not a Windows <laughs> computer. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist that um, bar. But all the students either had laptops or they had tablets. Um, Microsoft Surfaces were really really popular with students. Mm-hmm. Yep. And everybody had something. And that was surprising. And they had – half the students had them out and were using them for note-taking while the class was going on without even by saying, hey, you need to take out your device and look at the website or something along those lines. So that's a big difference. That's a real- huge difference. <laughs> that is a huge difference. Yeah. After what? Um, how many years? I think students in, oh, let's God. say, the United States have been going to classes with laptops for what, the last 20 years? Or more. Okay. Yeah, My more. rough guess, just uh, thinking, you know, trying to look at, you know, classes, you know, visualizing the classes I've had. Let's say I had 25 students in a class of two or three were using computers. That would have been surprising to me, I think, two years ago. Yeah. 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 Would you agree? Something along those lines? It depends. It dep- that were. depends on the school. That yes. depends on the school. Yeah. This is true. This is true. But that's the biggest difference is that the students all have computers. When you talk face to face, online, on demand, Zoom, breakout room, they understand that now. So there's that. The other thing. And this is a big difference. I don't see the resistance to online reading that I used to see. Uh Right? Students seem much more comfortable reading online, whether it's using their phones or their devices. And I'm not talking about web pages. I'm talking about, let's say, articles that they can read that are in more of a digital format. So that's another big difference. They seem familiar with it, not as resistant to that. Please go ahead. Yeah, no, because I can remember the the faces, you know, when he is like, when, you know, they had been, you know, they're used to getting print though, the teacher handing out, you know, photocopied copies and then what they're supposed to read. And you give them a link and it's like, you just see they're making like, ah, <laughs> I don't want to do this. I'm in dog This is terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, they are. I, and I noticed that through the year last year, uh, the students were yeah just more accepting of of that activity, for sure. Yeah. yeah, one of the the funny things I think that is a change is <laughs> I I turned to some of the students and I said, oh by the way, you know you're going to be submitting this assignment on the LMS, okay? And I said. It's not a, you're not sending an attachment, but you're actually filling out the homework on the LMS. And I said, whatever you do, don't type it directly into the LMS. Type it into like a Word document or something before, because the system will possibly lock you out and you lose all your data. And there were 30 students nodding their heads going, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happened to me. Happened, exactly, that. exactly. And what, that kind of uh, shared experience where I said, yeah, I've done that too. And they're getting familiar with the technical aspects so that when I turn to students and I said, whatever you do, please back up because it's just like getting locked out of the sit logged out of the system. And now they're getting it because before I would tell my students, you need to have like three backups, you know, on your computer, 
off your computer and like a hard drive or something else. And then it has to be somewhere outside of your area in case yep. something happens. Right. And now when I say that they're like, okay, and you can see them like, you know, I'll mention like Dropbox or something or some other backblaze, whatever, some kind of system. And they listen. So the biggest difference without a doubt, Tony is the technical approach or the approach towards technology or the attitude towards technology and the use of devices as part of their experience as students in and outside of the class. I think before they saw computers or devices as a tool to submit homework for the teachers who wanted, you know, word documents or something. Yeah. Now, so the, so the students uh, yeah, with their, their their familiarity and their uh, their ability to use these things has that changed the way that you teach in a, any observable way so far that you can tell? Uh, I know it's, it's a hard question. That's a really hard question. Well, the observable way. Uh, I'm thinking it's a good question. It's a, a very good question. I'm just from now I'm thinking about it. I always teach my students that from presentations where they get asked a question. I say, oh, that's an interesting question. Let me think because you're just trying to buy some. Could you rephrase that question in a different way? So <laughs> I think they understand that they're expected to do things in a certain way so that if you give them formatting rules, they're a bit more open to that. I have noticed an incredible you know where I'm going with this one now, decrease in the number of mistakes when submitting homework. Mm. Students, I think, are getting an understanding as to why I have a specific way for, let's say, writing a subject line or naming a file. Sure, sure, Because, sure. Yeah. you know, when I tell them, I, if there's a problem and I have to search for your file, I can see them begin to nod and understand, ah, oh, that's what he's talking about. Because they have to look for files. Sure. And I'm sure without a lot of experience with a computer, you're not, you know, you don't have a consistent file naming system. Right. So there's more shared understanding about why things are done the way they are. Why would somebody like me be so strict about, you know, or insistent, I'm going to use the word insistent rather than strict, about the way things work. There's... uh a more of an openness in terms of when I sh show them certain tools. So, for example, one of the things I do with almost all my classes is show them how to use uh, the Complete Lex Tutor site, which is a vocabulary site and, you know, looks like somebody hasn't updated the site since 1990s aesthetics. But yes, it's a really yes. useful site. It's got some good stuff. Anyway, they have vocabulary profile on that, so you can actually put an article in and have the vocabulary analyzed, and it makes lists for you of like, you know, K3, K4, K5, whatever, all the different vocabulary alerts. Before, when I would show it to students, they'd all go, ooh, and ah. But a, most of them would probably not use it on their own. Now, when I show them that, they, you can actually almost like see them bookmarking the site. Uh -huh, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. there's like, yes, it yes. just seems, it just seems like that's what it looks like. Yes, yes, yes. And when I refer back, and if I say to students, okay, let's go back to the complete Lex Tutor site, I don't see the students, you know, when you're watching them on Zoom. <laughs> like, what are you, you, what you, yeah, you what talking, are you talking about? about? You don't see the, them squinting <laughs> while they're looking that? at the computer, right? <laughs> In other words, it's just like, okay, and I'll, after about 10 seconds, I'll say something like, okay, everybody's on the site, and everybody raises their hand and says they're on the site. Cool. So there's more of an openness to tech. There is more of, I think, an appreciation for what it can do. They are not at the point where they have not understood the limitations of the technology. So that's, I think, the biggest, biggest, most noticeable difference. And so it sounds like overall you're finding it in, in most ways maybe a little bit easier. Is that fair? A little, little bit would not be the <laughs> descriptor I would use. It's so it's much easier. It's significantly okay. easier because I don't have to say, okay, click here, open this, go to this thing. Um, they just have more familiarity with using machines. And there's not the resistance. For example, before I would get, let's say two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, when I would ask my students to use vocabulary prof. Because what I do, let me um, regress here. One of the things I do in the classes is to say, hey, if your professor gives you an article to read, you know, you have to figure out how difficult it is, how much, you know, you know. So if you know your vocabulary level, we do basic vocabulary assessment. 
if you put it through vocabulary profile, it'll tell you what percentage of the words are K1 words, you know, most frequent vocabulary, K2 words, K3, et cetera, et cetera. I said, you can look at this and you can figure out exactly how difficult it is and you can learn to estimate how long it'll take you to read the article. And they just get that now. Nice. The best way. I think that's the most concrete example I can give you. They see that. And before, I'd have to really go through it and explain. And you could see them kind of look at me in class because these were face-to-face classes and go, got it. What is he doing? And then I'd get comments back from students that this is like more of a how to use computers in English learning than a English class. Mm. And you know, I thought a lot about that. But I also, you know, my initial response was actually no. Or, you know, you'd get comments from students that say, I'm not good at using computers. A lot of those kinds of comments. Yeah, yeah. And of course, naturally, when you hear a student say that, you say, well, I'm not good at using a pencil. That wouldn't be a legitimate reason to not use a pencil. But those are all gone. It's just accepted now that, okay, we use computers in our classrooms. It's a tool we use. Good for that. So that's the biggest difference. That's a long yeah. answer. Sorry on that. No, that's great. Well, but that's what, that's the, the reality, right? Mm. Mm. And uh, so, well, that's uh, and that's kind of good to hear that at that level, anyway, that things are that are easier, and not only not only easier, but also so much uh, allows you to use your time in classroom so much more effectively. And with the kids having that uh, background already, it's uh, there's there's more learning going on. You know, despite the best efforts of the universities to prevent that. Uh, it's nice to hear that, <laughs> that progress <laughs> marches on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not sure all, you know what's caused that big change. I think the IT department may have upped their game quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know that they well, had good. to, right? Because students had to know how to log in and how to use the technology. Mm. Uh, the students are more familiar with the LMS. They don't again. Sending in your homework, submitting your homework online, no problem. It's normal now. So even if you, when I was doing face-to-face, even saying to students, okay, you're going to have to submit online, no shock, no surprise, no react, mm, you know, negative sure. thing about that. Cool. But can I maybe mention what I think is the biggest difference? And it's not students. Is that Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is that all these people I knew who never used like uh, learning management systems like Moodle or Blackboard or especially Google Classroom mm-hmm. are all like, yeah, Google Classroom's pretty good. <laughs> I think the teachers have adapted to technology more than the students. I think you well, may there have was a, Yeah, that. there was a lot. Of, there are many, many teachers who have, have remained – uh, well, until last year, um, and even through last year, are resistant to um, technology. And we, we talked about that a lot of times, uh, especially talk about spreadsheets and things. And uh, I know of at least one teacher <clears throat> last year, early in the semester, um, so one year ago, uh, and uh, you know, realized that he was going to have to uh, teach his classes uh, you know, remotely online. Like, no, no, thank you. I quit. I can't. I'm not going to do that. And, uh, yeah, he was a, kind of, again, an edge case. Um, yeah, I, I think he had a computer at home, a very, very old one. I don't, maybe might not even been able to use Zoom. Um, and remember also there was a, a printing issue. Maybe he didn't have a printer or whatever. He was just a, you know, very, very anti tech guy, you know, a real, a real Luddite. Um, but he says, no, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to do this. I'm out. And, you know, more power to him, you know, knowing that he can't do it or wouldn't do it. And uh, rather than just slog on and, and make every, his students and, and everybody around him miserable. Um, but there's a, again, I don't think he's in any way typical, but there are a large number of teachers who um, had been uh, very resistant to the technology. But, um I will uh, I will disagree with you uh, uh, regarding the the different LMSs because um, <clears throat> around me um, 
teachers who are using uh, Google Class are not happy. And these, this is not people who are um, very, uh, you know, they're not tech averse at all, and they're fairly capable. Not happy with the with the uh, Google Class specifically, but I can understand that a lot of the uh, LMS. Um, uh, programs and systems, that's redundant, uh, but other learning management systems, um, as they become more powerful, they also become more restrictive and forcing you to do things one way. And if you're in, in a system where you've got like one of these that you need to adapt to and, and, and fit yourself into, even if it's really restrictive and it really, you know, there's a lot of friction uh, with the way that you ordinarily did things and the way that the, the system now requires you to do things, not so bad. But if you're a part-time teacher and you're dealing with three, mm-hmm. four, or sometimes five different systems, like one place uses Moodle, one place uses Google Class, one has their own home-baked thing that they've got going on, um, and you've got to juggle, you, you got to learn these four different systems and then try to fit your teaching to fit the different systems at the same time. That is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, you, you and I, we, you know, we were a little bit more tech-savvy, and, and yeah, and I was in that situation last year, and so... Basically, I just cooked up my own stuff and used the individual LMSs uh, as minimally as possible. The students, of course, don't like that because the students would prefer to go to one place. It's like I'm in the LMS for my English class. I'm in here for my uh, science class. I'm in here for my Portuguese class or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and everything is all there in one place for them. But, um, uh, yeah, I've got all these things. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> for my class, you got to do it this way. And, uh, but, uh, the, the ones, and, and to the degree that I've in, engaged, got involved with each of these systems, um, I always came up against some major friction points. We you know whether it was like the, the quiz making structure or the assignment submission, um, uh, formats process, whatever it is. like, oh, yeah, it's looks good, but it causes all kinds of other problems to me that I don't have to like, oh, and, and it just, I, you know, oh, I, I managed just fine, but I, I, it was, a, there were a lot of pain points for me last year. I would not deny any of those okay. points that you've made. No, having to use three or four, or as you mentioned, five different learning management systems is just insane, right? Number one. Number two, yeah. most of them have terrible interfaces. I mentioned Google Classroom just in the sense that it seems to be the cleanest and the easiest to use. It looked pretty good. I, I never had the opportunity to use it yeah. myself. But, it looked I, pretty, but what I meant attractive. to say that even though people have pain points and there's friction points, et cetera, et cetera, that if I speak with people now and I say something about LMS, I don't get the – I don't use it anymore. What I do get is – you know, kind of informed opinions based on experience. And people will say, oh, yeah, I have to use three different ones. I'm using Moodle, Google Classroom, and another thing. And they can tell me what they like or dislike. Whereas before, yeah, most people I knew, unless they had been forced to use it, which, again, actually proves the point that this is what happened, <laughs> is they were forced to use it, can understand what the benefits are. Mm-hmm. And... When I talk to other teachers, let's say, and people who, you know, I think we're actually a pretty good case where neither you or I are coders. We're not super tech people, but we use tech. There's a certain kind of person, I think, that's in that demographic. We're tech users. We have a certain amount of familiarity that might be above the average, but there's no yeah. way that either power, one of us. Power see- users, eh? Okay, let's say I think for, that's, a, that's the phrase, right, that they use? Okay, yeah, yeah. Power user. Well, I guess that, that might be an oppressive term or something. <laughs> I'm a power <laughs> user. No, I'm not using power. <laughs> I want to say that, please notice. But seriously, we're not co- when we have a problem, we can't code for it. We can't solve it by making an app. And I know people who can do that. Yeah, so, yeah, you you write a script to, to handle that. Right, I mean, at most, I might, like, use some automation tool that, 
it will walk me through and hold my hand and I still get it wrong. But the idea that people are open are in the same way that students are using computers and are more open to computers and understand the basic things that the computer can do that can help them and save them time. I'm seeing teachers becoming more open and aware. And if I had turned to someone and three years ago and said, yeah, you know, um, I have this issue with Moodle. It's very powerful, but I wish they would just turn off everything except the most simple, you know, the simplest uh, functions and features or the basic functions and features that I need. And that's where I start with most people's eyes would glaze over. Yeah. But if I say that now, people will say, oh, yeah, I tried Moodle and I understand what you mean or no, I disagree. That's a big leap. So I think both teachers and students have really um, jumped, you know, the the tech divide. So that is, like again, the biggest differences I'm seeing. Mm. Okay. Um, and most people, the other thing that's been really great to watch is uh, some of the people I knew who were not very technically adept. Mm-hmm. I've seen some people really like, become like tech monsters. <laughs> oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a colleague and f- a friend and colleague or a colleague and friend who I used to help with some text stuff. And now, you know, she's like helping other people. She's become the person, which is, you know, the train the trainer. She learned and she's sharing her knowledge and she's become like a, a person who helps other people. And I just think that's exciting that people can, you know, that teachers are are learning and they're able to actually demonstrate and share that maybe with their students. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I wanted to I mean, pop something. I don't know if this is the the, the best place to put it in, but since we're uh, talking about it in terms of uh, the teacher, teacher to teacher help, um, I think it's interesting and maybe worth mentioning, especially in terms of you know. Of course, whether it's a it's in a regular classroom situation, it might be more uh, important or more helpful um, in, for example, like a Zoom type class, uh, a real time uh, remote uh, classroom type things. Um, whether it's uh, technical things or whether it's class content stuff, either way, uh, really important to remember uh, teachers to. Uh, the remember the importance of student to student help. Um, you know, with the, with the Zoom classes, you've got the breakout rooms, so it's, it's not don't don't limit it to just you know whatever the exercises for the particular classes. Use that to have them help each other with whatever it is that someone in the class or someone in the group is having trouble with. Because in any classroom, you're going to have wide gamut of both you know uh, ability, uh, language ability. And also technical ability, and um, you can you know so you're giving an assignment with like for example, especially at the beginning of the year, right? Um, with specific um, submission requirements, and then the breakout room is like, okay, you guys talk about what you've heard in the question number one. What do you have to do for next next week, and how are you going to do it? Bam, um, and uh, use those students to to help each other out. Um, not only for the students who don't understand, but, and again, whether it's content or whether it's like, you know, tech stuff, uh, for the students who are doing the explaining, we know that the, the one way, the best way to learn something is when you've got to teach to somebody else. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, that's going to, you can't get around that. So in order to explain to someone else, you got to understand it yourself. And that's one of the best ways to teach yourself something is to, um, force yourself to teach it to somebody else, whatever it might be, whether it's swimming or you know, basketball or billiards, teaching, French, <laughs> French or teaching. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's how I learned so many other things I've done. Is you know, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, right. We learn things. So I think that's a good point. So I always, you know, begin my classes and end my classes with reviews, and what I've done from this year, this is something, is that when they go into the the breakout rooms at the end of the class, you know, make sure everybody understands what the homework is, review what we talked about, what we discussed, what were the key points of learning. 
check with each other that everyone knows how to do the homework and they know what's expected and what they're supposed to do on their machine. So for example, if it's, you know, a certain kind of formatting that's needed or they have to use a certain app that might be different from usual, you know, check with each other. So that's what I've been doing in the class. I think uh, my friend Mike Post calls it the dojo model of learning where, you know, like in the dojo you're working and that the other student who's more advanced than you will like help you and correct you while you're sparring or something. Or kick your ass. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's been my experience. <laughs> yeah. Just joking. No, but no, no. Yeah. I, I, when Mike, when Mike talking. talks about that, I'm like, well, what dojo did you go to? Because my experience was getting thrown off the mat by somebody yeah. who was better yeah. than me. It's like, whoops. Uh, I understand there's only one way to learn in this place. but Well, sometimes you get lucky. You get a good partner. And I know exactly what he means. But this right. Is like, that yeah. wasn't my first well, well, first thought. The dojo. It's like, ah. <laughs> Well, maybe that's the difference between Aikido and Karate, okay? Maybe, maybe, Aikido maybe. people are nicer, maybe. But uh, <laughs> the point was Mike was trying to explain why t students just turn to each other when, you know, you ask them a question and they start, you know, talking to each other to figure out how to answer the question. Yeah. It's that helping mode. So that's an example of a behavior that in many instances might not be the behavior that is most productive for learning a certain thing. But when it comes to dealing with, like, the technology or working, as you just pointed out, making sure that the all the students have the necessary knowledge to produce the work in the way you want using some kind of device, it's great. Because there's always one person out of every five who I think gets it. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's, uh, I think it's a good point, And that's a good recommendation for every teacher. Right? Yeah. So, and you can kind of, when you're, you're with your class, whether it's in a classroom or whether it's in a a Zoom session, you know, keep your eye open for the ones who, the first ones who are not in their head, right? It's like, okay, he's nodding his head. Okay, he's got it. He's got a head. Okay, so I'm not going to make my groups. It's like, okay, you're in group one, one, you're in group number two, you're in group number three. Um, and then, you know, also look for those, you know, confused faces, the, the yeah. ones of people that are obviously going to need help. Yeah, actually, just gave me an idea that I should uh, do a, a quick survey in my class. And find out who feels really confident about using computers and who doesn't, and maybe like you know do a buddy system. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like you know, that. I think they, there's enough trust right now. Um, yeah. Before, I think if I asked them that, they'd think that the expectation is very high. They're scared, but I think yeah, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's that trust issue is so important. I think they're scared to say, I don't know because they're not sure what the teacher will say. Cause usually what they'll do is they'll say, I'm not good at technology or I don't know how to do this after the homework is due. It's like, no. Yeah. It's like, it's like your, your year end comments, right? It's like, well, why didn't you, this doesn't help me now. <laughs> after the semester's over, it's like, I'm, you're doing too much of this. You're not doing enough of this. It's like, You'd said something like nine months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember, I remember, you know, this seemed to be like a theme in the relationships I had been in before I was married. And like, the, you know, the woman would always and would say something like, well, you know, two weeks ago, you said this and I'm angry. And it's like, or you did this. And I'm like, well, that's two weeks ago. What do you want me to do now? It's past the point of being able to repair it, to fix it. So, you know, well, she was to, waiting for you to reflect and understand it yourself, huh? Well, you know, anybody who knows me knows that that's like a total waste of time and an expectation well, that's with most people, not going to come through, not going to happen. It's me. So that, um, you know, is an important thing is developing. Okay. One of the things that I, re I think I've learned from last year is that the need to make sure that the students trust you and trust each other enough to say, I don't know how to do this. Yeah, and that's not, one of the first things I used to do. Is I, is I, in this class, I don't know is a good answer. Well, I always do that. Yeah. And, and, well, think, and there's a difference. If someone that, says they don't, th they don't know or they don't understand, I always thank them profusely. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know what? I, I think I've mentioned this before. I usually start off on my first day of class and say, look, I need to know how many shy people are in the class. Shy people, raise your hand. <laughs> and like everyone in the class of raises course. their hand. And you kind of yeah. go, liars, What's your personality? Liars. I'm cheerful, but yeah. shy. Yeah. yeah, you're not shy. You're not shy. Because I try to explain a shy person couldn't raise their hand, right? <laughs> and that's – um, but we do those things. The idea of I don't know it. And you can say it as much as you want. There's just such a sure. huge inhibition against saying that. <laughs> So I'm thinking that 
they're better that way. They've learned. They're more open to saying, I don't know how to do this. And they say it before the assignment is due. So that's, I, I think, a big difference. Um, um, let me think what else, if there's anything else. I one, of, one of the things that I, want to get, I wanted to make sure that you cover, uh, it really doesn't have anything to do. Well, it, maybe tangentially, it has something to do with uh, online or not or in class or this year. Um, but I think this year you were in a unique position. Well, not unique, but uh, uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, well, yeah, uncomfortable. I'm sure. Very, it's, I'm I sure it's very which, uncomfortable. Which situation you're talking um, about? But uh, uh, you're teaching at uh, a, a new university for you, uh, and it's given you maybe some insights into. We we talked like a long time ago. Uh, one of our our episodes on um, the university culture, students and teachers and so forth. But uh, I think you are experiencing, if I'm sorry if I'm putting words in your mouth, experiencing... Oh, please go ahead. I'm, um, I'm enjoying this. It's like, it's my life easier. Answer your own question. <laughs> experiencing some differences, some, some different, making some observations about... Um, that 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 idea, the school culture, in a way, but how different students are at different universities in <laughs> okay. in 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 specific ways. It's like, yeah, the students at this school they are A, B, and C, and you know, generalization, stereotypes, so forth and so on. But then students at this university, yeah, it's really like D, E, and F, it's an, and they're really kind of different. So I thought I. I I want to cover that because we're we're going a little long, but I want to make sure that we covered that one. Okay, should we mention the school? Um, it's up to you. Well, okay, well we've had those students on before. Yeah, yeah. School. Yeah. Okay, we're talking about <laughs> Hyundai. Okay, yeah. and I started teaching at Hyundai from and it's Osaka April. University for people outside Who, of not from Japan. Right, sorry, yeah. Okay, so Osaka University. It's one of the very good public. It's one of the top ten universities it's, it, in Japan. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> You it's really, me. really good, <laughs> and I'm only there because out of your kindness, right? That you, rec- you know, suggested me as a, you know, to contact the person when you resigned, retired. <laughs> really, arigato gozaimasu. Really, on that. Thank you on that one. Anyway, so I'd heard from you, know, Tony, all these things. So, just to give you an example, what I did was we had, and everything was on demand. It was on demand, and I'll talk a little bit about how that's changed. And teaching an on-demand class. To, at a school and courses that I've never taught. <laughs> wow. Whoa. That was, that's, that's been weird. That's not only, been... not only is it the act that actual is, you know, as you just described it, not only is that like an impossible thing, right? It's a, it is flying blind. It and, really was. And, and then, and then when you had some inkling, cause you know, cause I, I've talked about it a little bit. Um, it's especially hard when you know that, uh, the, the this, this university is pretty different from the universities where most of us are teaching. Okay, well, I've taught at some pretty good schools. Yeah, and I, that's why I <laughs> said it the way I this did. This is a you know Osaka University is a different level because I'm in the language department. They're all the majoring They're in language one foreign students. language or another. Now, before I had taught at um, Tokyo University of Foreign Studies, and that was similar, kind of yeah, similar yeah, students, yeah. right? You know, students who are really sharp, um, switched on, and want to learn languages. Right. So I was, okay, I did my first. How hard can it be? (laughs) Very. (laughs) Yeah. Be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Well, we're going to get into. That sounds so easy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're going to get into that part a little bit later, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know you're laughing because you know exactly how I feel. But. I had to do this first on-demand thing, and I had to. And this is an example where they wanted me to use their LMS, and it's like, okay, another LMS to learn. Yeah. I and the switchover was like three weeks before the start of the semester from face to face to on-demand, and they specifically designated on-demand. And I thought, I I'm not in a position right now to learn a new LMS. And I went in and I looked at it, and again, as I mentioned, you know, I'm reasonably technically proficient. I was like. Oh no, I, I don't. I don't have two days. I just don't have two days to futz around with this. So I figured out how to put an announcement in the link to my website, and I used the, the website model and the email. Um, you know, submit your homework to certain email addresses. And 
for the first week, you know, I posted everything. The classes are on a Thursday, so I posted, you know, on like, you know, Thursday morning. And one of the things was, please send me a email message introducing yourself. You know, seven sentences, eight sentences, five to eight sentences, just so I can get to know you and get an idea of who you are and also just get a basic writing sample. It's an ungraded assignment. By 10 o'clock that night, 50% of the students had submitted the homework. By the next day, it was up to like 75%. And I had never seen that before. You know, students just, and I, you know, just doing the homework on the same day. Hmm. And I mentioned that to my wife, you know, using me, and I was like, I've never seen this before. And I was kind of like, oh, this is what a successful student looks like. This is why they're at this university because they know what to do. They know how to do it and they know how to get it done. And, and if you remember, you remember just because just it's specifically what you're talking about now, I mean, last year when we uh, did uh, the interview with the students from, from this university, right? Um, one of the students complained that what they, she didn't like was teachers that had assignments due at the end of the period. And then she felt frustrated because she wasn't able to do a good enough job. She wanted more time. Mm. That's okay. all. Go ahead. I forgot about that. But that they had they had the whole week. And it's interesting because there there's a kind of a direct correlation between the quality of the work and inverse relationship between <laughs> the amount of time it takes for the student to submit and the quality of the work. There's actually a decline as the week goes on. <laughs> And so I have to explain to my students that, you know, when you send me something, you know, the same day that it's due, there's a pattern I've been noticing, which is that <laughs> the best work is not coming in at the end of the week. So, yeah, yeah, always, it's always the first few submissions that are the best. Well, they, sometimes you get one is like someone just doesn't get it. They do just, you know, they get to I had a bunch only of half the assigned work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but then think- the, the first full submissions are, yeah, no, okay. Yeah, they're showing off. It's like, hey, teach, <laughs> this is me. Well, it's it's interesting. I I felt that to some degree. Yeah, they they have a certain they have definite a pride in that school. They have a pride in their academic ability. Right, but you have to understand. I didn't get to see that by interacting with them. Right, 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 right. I was yeah, just getting this, 10, 15, and I mean, some of the students were really. Uh, you know, we're using some pretty good vocabulary and, you know, their sentences were structured really well. Other students just, you know, I was like, okay, you need to resubmit this. You know, you can't have like 10 typing mistakes. Right. And, uh, but most of them have been pretty good. I mean, really, it's interesting. So that was quite a surprising thing to see, you know, in terms of uh, the school culture when we're talking about things. The... You know, I am, yeah, you know, they're just schools are just different. This one's really very, very interesting. Um, and being on demand, though, has been rough. Yeah. Because it's yeah, hard. It's a, it's, yeah. We have, in Japanese, we have an expression, motainai. It's really, uh, it wasteful. means like wasteful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just a, for that kind of situation. It's hard, it's hard anyway because the classes are so big. Yeah, yeah, they're that's cute. a real I mean, deficit because those kids in a small classroom, you know what you could do. Well, that you was know what you could do if you had like fifteen. Those classes were fifteen or twenty students. It was oh. just it's just unbelievable the the work that you'd be able to do in a year with them. But the classes are big, and then when you reduce them to like an on demand thing where they're watching a video or doing readings and doing tests, that's just. Awful. Well, it's kind of interesting, though, because, um, you know, YouTube, you know, I post my videos through YouTube. Sure. And I was able to find out that half the students weren't. Um, well, let me explain the whole story. So they do the first assignment pretty well, okay? Then the second assignment I asked them to do, and the explanation's in the video. And the second assignment comes in, and uh, it's not too good. <laughs> <laughs> This was um, it was a second or third week, and uh, I'd given the assignment, and it's explained in the video, and you know it says get the worksheet out. Let's go through the worksheet, and I explain step by step how to use the worksheet and what I expect, and I give examples of it's an abstract con- it's the abstract concrete language exercise, 
and which is always a problem for students in even top high level students. But anyway, I get the assignment back in like the third week or so, and it's just they're terrible. They're just really like not getting it. And I was like, what did I do? Is my explanation wrong? So I go back to the video and I go through and I go, no, it seems reasonable to me. And then I check Google Analytics and it's like half the students, only half the students had watched the video and the students who had watched the video had only watched it like halfway. Right. And I realized, oh, I understand. These students have been so successful at figuring things out that they looked at the sheet and then said, okay, I can do it without listening to the teacher because they're trying to maximize their time. Sure. And efficiency, because I'm imagining they've got a lot of homework if it's Honda, you know? Yep, yep. It's yep. a rigorous school. And <laughs> so it was like, ah, oh, now I see. Uh, this is the big disadvantage of on demand is I couldn't, you know, stop and, you know, give them immediate feedback. Instead, what I had to do was, uh, you know, send back their grades. And we'll talk about that system because that's up on one of the things we want to talk about. And, you know, I ended up giving almost you know, half the 60% of the class, like ones out of fives for the assignment. Yeah, and yeah. these students, I think this was the worst grade these students had ever earned in their lives. But it was pretty weird that way. So anyway, um, yeah, flying blind. That was hard. But fortunately, uh, I got permission to do the class by Zoom. We had our first Zoom session. And That's, went, fortunate. That's fortunate. I was really, really, really fortunate. And that was just by chance because I happened to ask the school, I'd like to offer like a virtual office hour, you know, like Thursday's fifth period for these students. Is that okay? And they said, yeah. And then I emailed person and gave them, said, hey, I want you to know it went really well. The students seemed to really enjoy it. And a couple asked me whether the class could be, the regular class could be by Zoom. And they said, okay. And so now we're on Zoom. So, okay. Cool. Good, yeah, good but flying point. blind. God. <laughs> yeah, and just like being able to meet your students. If you haven't met your students, how do you, how are you expected to, to teach? Right. I, you have no idea about their, you know, their speaking. And then, yeah, that was pretty surprising is all these totally fluent students in writing. And then like, you know, half of them were oh, oral, you know, orally. It's a very different story. Sometimes. It was like suddenly it's like, hmm, you need a lot more practice actually speaking and listening. So, Okay. So I think we that's pretty much the difference. These kids are different. They're significant. Yeah, they yeah, really yeah. know how to learn. That's the interesting thing. They're, they they're know happy how to, be, to and, and they want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've been having, I've been getting emails. I mean, so many emails from students asking me questions. Yeah. You know, um, I had like one e email that went back and forth five times with the student about some topic. And I can't remember the last time I, I had, and it was a really interesting discussion. It was truly enjoyable. This was a young person who was asking interesting questions and making informed comments, and it was great. So, yeah, differences between schools. You know, there are places where students have had positive learning experiences. You know, the, oh, wow, it's fun to learn. And there are other students who are like, you know, I'd rather be getting root canal work than sit in a classroom yeah, any longer. Yeah. So, anyway. Makes a big should, difference. Okay, should we move on? Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, get into the the last leg here. This uh, retirement thing. Yeah. So take it away, Tony. <laughs> no, I took it away in the first part. Well, you know, you're the one who's retired. I'm not retired. That's, that's right. Well, I'm retired, so I don't have to do anything anymore. That's kind of what it means, right? Okay. Um, I, but you must have some questions. What what about life on the other side here? Um. Did you see your ancestors? Did you see light at the end of the tunnel? <laughs> I'm seeing some light, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, well, what's, uh, well, what's yeah, the general really feeling was, overall? I mean, well, you you had uh, well, way back when. I guess when we, I guess it was, uh, was it the April first episode. I can't remember. Um, you had made a prediction. <laughs> it was April first. In my defense, it was an April Fool's joke. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> and I didn't put a time, a deadline on it. By the way, you said when classes begin. <laughs> I did not classes... say that. I did not say that. <laughs> okay, we'll 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 check the record. I'm going to make a prediction. Go. I think come April, what's going to happen is you're going to be sad. But anyway, your yeah, prediction my credibility was, just took a dive. It is, it is, it is a recording, right? It is there. Yes, I did say <laughs> this, and uh, I think it's funny. And that I would be sad. <laughs> which <laughs> Do you is, sound which sad? Is really funny. It was really funny because no, I'm not. I'm not sad at all. But that's not to say that I don't miss certain aspects of it. 
Um, but sad is not at all the word that I would use, especially this year. Um, mm. Last year was hard, uh, but because, uh, you know, I may have said this before, because the universities really didn't know what they were doing. They kind of just were like deer in the headlights and stepped back and kind of whatever, which is for me the perfect environment, right? Yeah, get the hell out of my way. Uh, let me let me do what I want to do. And uh, what I see this year, when they've had a year to learn how to get their fingers into things and screw things up, uh, I see both students and, and teachers having uh, a harder time administratively. As you talked, in the, in the classroom, things are a lot smoother, a lot easier. But again, the, the beginning of the semester uh, demanding that everyone's going to be face-to-face, and it's like, well, well, no, plan B, plan C, and... Um, um, yeah, who's gonna, who knows what's going to happen from now on? But uh, that uh, difficulty in planning, and then as I said, being uh, locked into a, a number of different uh, LMSs. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sad. Well, I meant it in the sense that you would miss your students. I do that, miss my that students. you would be sad not to be in the classroom having those interactions. Let me. Yeah. Try to dig no, myself nobody's out in of the classroom hole. anyway. So, oh, good point. Okay, so there. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, even that, the, even even, but even the but even the Zoom but the, the Zoom aspect was, uh, yeah, that that kind of um, interaction was was kind of fun. Yeah, and I missed that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I think you have a little story you want to tell. Ah, oh, okay, that one. All right. Uh, um. Yeah. Uh, you let's see. That. Yeah. 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 I, I got that. There is because there is that. Um, I, I want to talk about that, yeah, because that's a element of disappointment. But um, a couple of things before that. Uh, the other thing that I think is kind of interesting that uh, you're talking about, like life on the other side. Um, and I guess you can file this and say how quickly one forgets. But uh, <laughs> I find myself feeling. Or thinking, watching, and listening to people. Uh, it's like, oh, yeah, I got this and this and that. It's like, you know. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about all the numbers of people that uh, I'm in contact with. People are still teaching. And I'm listening. It's like, you know, it seems so easy. What do you complain? <laughs> it doesn't seem so hard. What do you? Come on, you just do it. <laughs> How hard can it be? <laughs> You're sitting at home in front of you, talking to you. It's like, come on, man. What are you complaining about? <laughs> it's so easy. But uh, just an indicator of how quickly that fades away. The 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 the, you know, the, the memory of the of the bad, right? And I used to say this about uh, the Chicago winters. I, uh, then I compared it to childbirth. It's like when you're, when you, Chicago in springtime, it's a mass amnesia. Everybody forgets how bad winter was. Cause if you actually remembered how bad it was, you'd never stay around until fall. You'd you're be kind of like a Japanese other- summer. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And Every it, year it's like it's, it's like a Kansai summer, a Kansai Chicago winter, a Kansai summer, childbirth, and a part-time teacher in Japan. It's like it's like so. Yeah, it's already like flipped in my brain, and it's like, oh, what was what was the big deal? It, it seems so easy. You know, I'm going to just take a a guess at this that because you're not having to deal with admin. Yeah, that's a huge. I don't part think of it's it. the teaching part. Oh no! I think well, it's the, the volume was pre- the volume was pretty. The volume pretty, pretty debilitating. Bad. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, it was pretty. It was we pretty didn't impressive. talk about that. We, yeah, that's forcing me to. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that that volume is killer. Yeah, but I may have solved it. We'll talk about that later yeah. in a different episode. Yeah, well, maybe we need a whole episode on that. Yeah, how to deal with like overwhelming. Yeah, dealing with the tech grading. and volume. Yeah, yeah, the, the streamlining the volume. Okay, yeah. okay, but anyway. So retirement from the other side, you're wondering how, well, it's not so difficult. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, the other thing that I, that, I, that may be more useful for people uh, who, you know, maybe not here that long or maybe not paying that much attention or tuned into uh, subtleties of life in Japan in Japanese society. 
Um, we may have done an episode on this, but not. But uh, we, I know it's come up. But just to reiterate, it's a retiring. Eh, that's one thing. Um, but retiring, and uh, I, I'm kind of a little bit surprised. Uh, very similar to quitting a job in Japan. And uh, in uh, Japanese culture, Japanese society, there's a very strong uh, notion of um, the inside group and the outside group, you know, uchi soto. And um, whereas in um, our culture, you know, Amer- we're both Americans, I could maybe take a risk and generalize to, to Western cultures, that when a person... Um, Leaving a job, assuming they're not being, you know, fired or, you know, going to jail for uh, embezzlement or whatever it might be, or you know, whatever, they're they're leaving in, in on good terms, which is uh, again a very cultural specific thing. But we shall see as I when I finish. Um, people, it's like it's like, well, oh, that you know, everyone talks. It's like it's too bad, you know. Good luck. Maybe have a party, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it's an interesting phenomenon in Japan when you announce that you're leaving a job. Um, you all very quickly scuttled out of that inside group to the outside group, and um, for a Westerner, it can seem really, really, really cold, uh, and you just cut out and you just don't exist anymore. Um, and um, you know, yes, I was I was part time, but at uh, some of these schools, I've been there for fif- over fifteen years. And uh, I, I shared with you, Charles, one of the schools I did get like a a form note um, from mm-hmm. uh, the head of one of the departments, and you know, it was very nice. But that was it. That was one out of the the four schools that I've been teaching. Uh, and I saw this when I left one of my other schools uh, five or six years ago. So, I mean, and I, and I know this because I've, I've, you know, I've, I've been full time and watched the office things and watch when someone's leaving and watch the dynamics happening. So I learned this long ago. Uh, and, and I probably should have anticipated this, but didn't. And so it caught me off guard a little bit. Uh, because a lot of, a couple of the offices, I was, you know, got pretty friendly with some of the folks. But it was like, ba-doom, gone. Um, and, um, yeah, and uh, now my story. Uh, I listened to a – sorry, this is going to be – I'm getting to a point. I'm going to go off off track here a little bit. Uh, I listened to a podcast. Uh, it was um, an interview with a, a Formula One driver, a former Formula One driver, a French guy, Roman Grosjean. And uh, last year he had a what what everyone looked everyone watching thought to be a fatal accident, horrific. A car went off the track, high speed, crashed. The whole thing is engulfed in flames, and it's engulfed in flames, engulfed in flames. And he uh, they get him out. He walks out, and he had uh, some burns on his hands and uh, some other minor burns and things, and. Uh, uh, and in the interview was great. And in the interview, he just revealed himself to be a really nice guy. And he talks about how that accident was actually a positive experience for him. Uh, that, uh, you know, for him, every day was a gift. It made him appreciate his family. And uh, he moved from, he's going to be moving from Formula One to um, open wheel racing in the United States, IndyCar. And uh, I talked about the positive things there. And uh, uh, he was just incredibly positive. And, um, he, the uh, uh, guy who was interviewing, also, it was, it was a good interview, and the guy was talking, he says, well, you know, I'm really impressed that, you know, you had this positive. Is there anything, you know, it's like, you know, negative? And he's like, you know, fear of driving. And so it's like, well, he says, um, I'm a little disappointed uh, that uh, among my, my colleagues, my, my, you know, driver and stuff, how few of them, uh, you know, reached out after the accident and uh, gave me the encouragement. And uh, it kind of leads to this uh, kind of the, the Uchi and the Soto, the Japanese thing. And so, yeah, I would have, um, if, if, if there's a disappointment, I would have expected more uh, contact from students. But that probably is my mistake because, 
yeah, for me, this is a big event. For them, it's just, you know, at the end of the year. Yeah. Okay. Um, lessons, uh, again, for uh, the teachers here that uh, quitting in Japan. Uh, another little quote. Uh, Cemeteries are filled with irreplaceable people. I like that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, everyone used to say, like, yeah, it's like, well, you know, you, you, you're in your job. It's like, well, you know, I, I, they need me. I need to say, it's like, no. No. No, you're not. You're, you're, everybody's There's somebody else to take your position who can yeah. do the job as well or better or not as well, but you can't, you will be replaced. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, the other thing is, like, make sure that you, all your, whatever, uh, gratification or reward you're looking for has got to come from within. Don't go through life thinking that you're going to be rewarded for being a good person. Well, I think anyone who's taught for more than five years knows that. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to be rewarded. And, you know, as, you know, I I wanted to ask you about this a little bit later. We're running out of time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm actually done, right? I'm actually done. Very nicely done. Good timing. But, you know, the basic idea that as a teacher, you never really get to see the results of your work in many ways. Sometimes you do. We get to see improvement. But we, you know, we're laying down foundations. And I'm just wondering, you know, with retirement now, do you, like, can you look back and say, okay, I did make a difference. I feel good about what I did. Or do you feel that, you know, you wished you had asked people or gotten feedback about, you know, the effects you had as a teacher? Well, I'm really... In that respect, I'm really, really lucky. Um, over the years, I've gotten a lot of that. Uh, that's why I, I'm, I'm a little bit taken aback this year. May, maybe I can blame Zoom, the fact that I never met any of these people face-to-face. Mm. Uh, so that was in, in that sense, it was a lot less personal. But in past years, yeah, students um, have uh, gone out of their way to keep in touch. In fact, one of one of the first students, this is a nice way to end things. Uh, one of the first students that I taught, and uh, he, he and I, he was, um, uh, this was at the Simon Gago, and he was our candidate for the uh, national uh, speech contest in Tokyo. And he was like, and so he and I went to Tokyo. I mean, a, a go getter, good guy. Uh, he ended up working for Toyota, I think, in, um, New Mexico or Arizona in the United States. Um, Mary, there's family. His daughter just graduated from a college. Um, <laughs> so a long time ago, and we're still in touch. Um, I, I've got a, a guy from, from uh, uh, the school that you love so much, uh, who is an engineering student and he um, became an engineer from Mazda. And then when he designed the kick plate for the RX-7, he sent me an email to let me know that, yeah, that kick, when I open, you open the door in RX-7, that kick plate, he designed it. And, cool. uh, which is, which is really a small cool. thing, but it's a, but it's a huge thing, right? It's, yeah. it's a small thing and it's a big thing, but for him, but, um, and over the years, like all, you know, students, yeah. And, um, I've had, you know, students come make and actually thank me and stuff. But, uh, from this year's crop of students, I was kind of expecting a little bit more. So, yeah, but that's if, if you, to satisfy your prediction, if there's anything I'm sad about, maybe that's it. Same as this guy, um, Grosjean, about, uh, his, uh, his colleagues not, um, being, recognizing a little bit more his hardship and, uh, recovery, et cetera. But yeah, I've, we need to wind it up, but I have experienced that where you leave a place or you let them know you're leaving and things just change. Right, yep. you're you're suddenly Boom. on the outside. <laughs> I just like I left one place, and they're just like nothing, nothing. No, you know, nobody even said anything. I said, look, this, you know, yeah. um, I have to give up this position. You know, I've got another, you know, something or other. Blah 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 blah. You know, wrote really nice email to the person. I said, thank you. We wish you good luck or best of luck, and that was it. Nothing else. And I'd been at this place for I don't know how many years. I mean, altogether, two different gigs. At this one school, so it must have been like fourteen, fifteen years. Yeah, so it's kind of oh, like a like a like anthill or anthive, right? So uh, one of the ants dies, and like immediately he becomes food. 
fodder, right? <laughs> it used to be Joe, now he's lunch. Yeah, now you're either food or fodder, or maybe right, one of the two. Okay, let's wrap it up, Tony, because we're over. <laughs> That's a positive note, yeah. Yeah, it's such a positive note. Food or fodder. This is two oh. food or fodder teachers talking. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Uh, yes, I want to get out, Tony. <laughs> when, I, I get, get, when, you, when you get a chance, get vaccinated. Oh, don't resist. Don't get even. Vaccinated, not, not, what, are you telling me this? Or no, you tell, I'm talking no. to talking to listeners because yeah, some people are resisting yeah. and stuff, and it's like, okay, maybe you don't care, not for you. Do it for other people, other people, other people, and their kids. It's like that's why um, you wear a mask. May twentieth. Well, that's exactly the same reason why you wear a mask. May twentieth, just like just before recording, um, Osaka area, 180, 108 deaths a day. Not to me. I'm sorry, that's Japan. One hundred eight deaths. That's the highest ever. It's high ever since last year, since the beginning of the COVID thing. This week, more people died from COVID than at any other time in Japan. Um, so it's even though people are, you know, we're all tired of this. We, we, we talked before the show about how damn tired we are of it. Um, it's not any better. It's not any safer. It's, it's even more dangerous than it was last year at this time. And why we talked about the fantasy of putting people in classrooms together is just insane. Um, uh, when you have a chance to get vaccinated, please take it. Mm. That's I all. We we both would agree on yeah. that. Oh, I'm, I'm checking every but, day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting too. I, I'm just, I'm going nuts that my, I, my age group is next and I'm checking every yeah. day. I'm like not even in that age group, you know, yeah. you know, I'm still under, I'm like, you know, you excuse me, but so I'd like to, you know, get, you know, um, you know, just to make it real for people. Okay. Um, a friend of mine's mother-in-law died from COVID. You know, she got sick. She had a fever. Two days later, she was hospitalized. And a week and a half later, so she's dead. That made it real to me. It's made a it, real thing. It's a real thing. It's not some abstract thing. People are dying of these things. And, you know, just be, you know, again, you know, if you're an anti-vaxxer, I would just suggest that, you know, you do a little research. Or, do a know, little research, please. Yes, please, please. Please do that. You know what I mean? Where the world would be without vaccines is scary. Okay. Let's finish on that. I already kind of said, hi, this is Charles Wiz. (laughs) (laughs) Well, went on another three or four minutes of deja vu again. Okay. So I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. The two teachers talking, and everybody pretty much knows where to find us. And uh, please stay safe. Be careful and stay healthy. And uh, we'll have uh, our next episode next month. There we go. Okay. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, Charles. Thank you.